Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, church family, we have been in this series on emotional health, and I hope it has been a blessing to you. I hope it's been encouraging to you so far. Um, I got to tell you uh, that the plan all along is we were going to end last week, but uh, I remember hearing a teaching that um, it really did affect me emotionally. It really, it, it helped me in a great way, and I w- decided I wanted to go ahead and uh, continue on one more week and share it with you today. So today, it's like we're in the extra innings of of uh, this series. You could call it the bonus round of emotional health. But today I want to talk to you from the subject, uh, habits of a healthy heart, habits of a healthy heart. Because how many of you know that real lasting change, whether it's emotional or spiritual or physical, real lasting change has to happen in the heart. Somebody talked to me this morning. How many of you know that if you want to see change happen in your life, it begins in the heart? Okay, so we're going to take a look at what the psalmist says in Psalms 119, and we're going to be starting in verse 112. I believe, I believe Psalms 119 is like the longest chapter in the Bible, so we're going to skip the first 111 verses and go ahead and start off in, in, in 112. But that's kind of what he's talking about here is the fact that if we want to have change, it doesn't just start by changing your behavior. It, it starts by changing Um, your belief. It starts by changing fundamentally what's going on in your heart. So we see here in Psalms 119 verse 12, it says this, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Okay. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end, forever to the end. He's saying, guys, I want this to last. I, I, don't, I don't just want there to be change that's momentary. I don't wanna just change for a season. I, I don't wanna just be emotionally healthy for a little bit and then go back to the way things were. I don't wanna get physically healthy just for a season and go back to the way things were. I mean, come on, people. I didn't sign up for the year-long membership at the gym just to go back to eating Doritos and sitting on the couch by next Friday, right? We want change, we want it to last, right? And, and we see here that the, the psalmist is saying, I want to see change happen in my life. So he starts off by saying, so I incline my heart. I incline my heart. This change happens from within, not just my behavior, but it happens from my belief that drives my behavior to change. And if it doesn't happen that way, then the, the change won't last, it won't stay. So if I want lasting change, it begins in the heart. And it's interesting to me because it, he says, I incline my heart. Now that is a very interesting choice of words because you don't incline something that's already in an upright position. Right? To incline something would be to, to reorient or to change its position, to be upright. So we could assume right off the bat that for the psalmist to say, I need to incline my heart, we know his heart was already declined. It was in the decline position. 
And for many of us, we, we don't even go through life in the decline position, we go through life in the reclined position. Right? That, that's just however you wake up, that's just how you're gonna be. However you feel, that, that's just how you're gonna act because we have these default recline and decline positions that we can go through and the psalmist is saying, no, no, no. I'm gonna act upon my attitude and what I'm gonna do is I'm going to incline my heart in order to be able to focus on things above. And I wonder, do you know, do you know that you, can, that you are in charge of your heart? I think it's a simple thing to ask, but we have got to stop and ask this every once in a while. Do you know that you are in charge of your heart? Man, you gotta stop saying they broke my heart. They can't break your heart if you didn't give it to them. Like we are, we are in charge of our heart and we have to be protective of our heart and we have got to manage our heart. And the psalmist here is saying, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take my heart and I'm gonna manage it into a way to where it is focused on things above. So he said, I'm setting my heart in the direction of heaven. Incline, I wonder, is your heart set into the direction of the things of heaven, of the things of God today? See, inclining your heart is, is not just a one-time thing. It's a continual action. It's not like you just went to a, a, a kid's camp when you were younger and you decided uh, to follow Jesus. So your heart was then inclined towards God and you would never have another bad thought. You would never sin again. You'd never go through difficulty again. It's not like you just come to church on a Sunday morning and and then the rest of your life, your heart stays inclined towards the things of God. No, it's like, I, I wish that I could just uh, set it one time and it stay there. It's like that infomercial that I remember from a, being a teenager where there was a guy that was selling like a rotisserie oven and he was saying, this is a great oven because all you have to do is set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. Man, I, w I wish that's the way it was. I wish you could just like, one time I, I went to church and I set my heart and said, I'm gonna follow God and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do things his way and I'm gonna be joyful, I'm gonna be happy. But the psalmist is saying, that's not how it works. When it comes to your heart, you gotta set it and then you gotta check it. And then you gotta check it again and then you gotta go back and make sure that it didn't slide into the decline position. You gotta reset it. And then you gotta set it again and you gotta check it again because what's gonna happen is day after day and week after week and month after month, life is gonna happen. And when life happens to you and circumstances come your way, there are gonna be things that are gonna tempt you to be able to go back to your default modes of reclining and declining back into the decline position of your heart. And that default decline position of your heart is not a place where any of us want to be, but unfortunately it's where a lot of people live. And it's that default position where you struggle with discouragement and you struggle with despair. And it's in the decline default position where there's negativity and dysfunction. But when you take charge of your heart, man, elbow your neighbor and say, take charge of your heart. Take charge of your heart. When you take charge of your heart, that, that's what the writer of Proverbs is saying, okay? We just heard the writer of Psalms talking about it. Now the writer of Proverbs is talking about the same thing. He says this, he says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You gotta guard your heart, guard your heart. See, it's your heart, it, it's your heart and, and we've got to get it working right. 
We, we got to protect what's going on on the inside because everything that comes out of our life is coming from the inside. I, I remember my doctor chewed me out after my father's heart attack. It was a 2014, my father had a heart attack and my doctor sat me down and he gave me the what for. And I'm like, hold on a minute. I didn't have a heart attack. He had the heart attack. You chew him out. <laughs> but he set me down and he's like, Dan, uh, no, there are some things we need to talk about here because you can look really good and healthy on the outside. And I, I felt good about the fact that he said that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. I do look really good and healthy on the outside. Thank you, doc. But you can look good and you can look healthy on the outside. But if you don't have a healthy heart and what's going on on the inside, you can crash. And you can look good. And you've heard the stories of the people who, who, who they're fit, they're athletes, they look great, they're ripped, they got six pack abs and they're out for a run and they have a heart attack and they crash and they fall over because something wasn't right on the inside. Now, believers, you gotta understand, this is what the psalmist is talking about. He's saying, you can go through life and you can look right on the outside. And man, you can look like you got a healthy marriage on the outside and you can look successful and you can look wealthy, and you can look religious, and you can look like you've got it all together, and you can crash and fall over like my doctor was warning me. If, if what's going on on the inside, if you don't have a healthy heart, it can affect you in every area of your life. It's, it's dangerous to not have a healthy heart. So it has to happen in the heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? It has to happen in the heart, but but it doesn't start with the heart, it starts with the habits. It starts with the habits of the heart because it's our habits that create the conditions of our heart. And I believe that today that God wants to help us set the habits of our heart. I don't wanna move on any further until we ask God to speak to us because we're gonna get back into this verse and we want his word to change us. It's not about my opinion, it's not about anything else, it's about his word changing us today. So would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we call upon you in Jesus' name and we ask that your presence be in this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here to speak to us. We thank you for meeting with us already and we pray that right now as we get into this, you will show us what type of habits that you want us to create in our lives so that we can have a healthy heart. Help us to understand your word right now as we break this down. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm gonna go back to verse 112 and we're gonna read verses 112, 113, and 114 because in this we see that there are three habits that the psalmist is talking about. If you want to have a, a heart that's inclined towards the things of God, inclined towards God and a healthy heart. How many of you want a healthy heart today? We want a healthy heart. Here we go. Let's go ahead and read this whole passage and then we're gonna break it down. Um, starting in verse 112, I, I, I set my heart or I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. I find it interesting that the Bible says I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. I don't think that we should move on until we talk about this because that's the first habit of a healthy heart is you have to know what to hate. Number one, you have to know what to hate. The Bible says this, I, I, I hate the double-minded. Notice that he's not talking about hating a person. 
The Bible says we're supposed to love people. We're supposed to love our neighbors. We're even supposed to love our enemies. He's talking about a condition. He says, he says I, I hate this. And you think, man, this is weird. Are we in church talking about hating things? Well, yeah, that's what the Bible's saying right here is that there are certain conditions, certain things that we need to know what to hate. And, and, and we gotta understand this about hate. Church, understand this. Hate is the most powerful motivation to change. Not love, hate is. Hate is the most powerful motivation to change. And we have to understand that as followers of Christ. So before you start trying to reach your goals, maybe there are certain things that you need to make a decision about that you are going to decide that you are going to hate the condition of. You've got you to hate certain things because that's what the psalmist is trying to do. He, he's talking about loving things, but first he has to identify in himself what he needs to hate. And this is complicated. It's a complicated concept because I have a love-hate relationship with certain things. How many of you have a love-hate relationship with certain things? Sometimes I feel like, like David, right? Because David um, found out that his son Absalom had died. And the Bible says that David was weeping over that. He was mourning over that. What's strange about this is if you know the story is Absalom uh, was not a good son. He was an enemy of David. And he was actually trying to overthrow David's kingdom. Absalom wanted to be the king and he was trying to kill David. And, and Joab comes to David and saying, listen, man, you, you, got, you got this all wrong. You got to get it together. You hate those who love you and yet you, you love those who hate you. He said, you got it mixed, mixed up sometimes. This love-hate thing, you got it so confused. Like you hate what's trying to deliver you and yet you love what's trying to destroy you. And I feel this way sometimes about certain behaviors in my life. It's like, man, there are certain things that I do that like I get so confused by it because there are certain things that I love it for a minute, but then I hate the crash. Certain things, I mean, I love it. I, I love the way that feels. I, I love how that went down, but then, but then I really, I hate the result of it. Am I, am I the only one in here that deals with that condition? And it's interesting because it, it can be flipped as well. There are other things that I hate. I hate the way it feels at the moment, but then I love the result. Like I, I hate certain things. I hate burpees. Man, I hate them. I hate it. We'll go to the gym and I'll look up on the board. What are we going to do today? And I see burpees and I'm just like cuss words going off in my head. Like, ah, oh! should have skipped it. Like I had a meeting today or something like I, I hate, but, I, but what I'm starting to learn is I'm learning that, that I love the result of it. Like for, it, it hurts for a moment. I don't, I don't like it for a moment, but then I love the result of it. And you guys have heard me on this because for years I would tell you that like, uh, that I, I hated exercise and I hated running. And I remember I even told a story a couple years back about the fact that my wife would try to get me to exercise with her. And, and she was like so chipper about it. And I hated running. And she'd be like, Dan, just come with a on a run with me. And I'm like, I don't want to come on a run. She's like, just come. It's a beautiful day. It's going to be awesome. And I'd run with her. And she's like, how, how far are we going to go? Right? Because I'm like, I'm getting to the mailbox and I got sweat dripping off of me. I'm like, I'm thinking, I don't know if I can even make it to my neighbor's yard. I'm like, how far are we going? She's like, oh, we're just running. <laughs> we're just running. I'm like, we're not just running. How far are we going? Right? And I would tell you, because I hated it. I hated, I hated working out. And, and something switched for me. 
right? Because the motivation was I was trying to start loving something that, that like I knew there'd be good result, but, but what switched for me was the day that I ended up having to spend money on it. Because what you don't, you, you might know this about me, but, but some of you might not, is I'm an outdoor person. I, I love it. I'll save up my money all year long so that I can have some money to go fishing and go on some outdoor adventures and stuff like that. I, I want to go out into the woods. I want to be out in nature. I want to do that sort of stuff. So I had some money saved up. And I remember the day that I had to go to the mall and I had to spend my money on buying clothes that I already owned because I couldn't fit into the same clothes that I had in my closet, I gained so much weight. And that was the point where I was like, no, I hate this. I hate this. Like now, now this is affecting me in more ways than one. And, and now it's not, not that I just like, I'm trying to learn how to love to run, learn how to love to exercise. No, I hate spending money on the things that I care about to spend money on things that I really don't care about. So now I have two pairs of pants and I got a pair of pants for if I'm eating too many chicken wings. And I got a pair of pants for if I've been doing good for a month. That's embarrassing and I don't like it, right? I hate that. I hate that. And sometimes we have got to decide what, what is it that, that we hate? You, sometimes you've got, you've got to, I know we're, we're in church and this is the pastor. We should be talking about love, but we're talking about sometimes you've got to hate it. You've got to hate self-pity. But man, that self-pity, it, it tastes good like Cheetos on your tongue. For a moment, it, it, for, for just a moment, like I, I love it for a moment. See, it's complicated because I love it for a moment. I love the, I love the chase the Cheetos, but I hate what it does to my waistline, right? Guys, th this is good and it sounds so simple, but it's got to get into our heart. It's one of those principles we could teach our kids, but if we don't start living it in our own lives, we're not going to start seeing the change here. We see, he says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Before I can do what I love, I've got to know what I hate. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate what it does for, uh, see, I love what it does for me, but I hate what it does to me, right? Now, I, I hate chicken wings, right? Well, it's complicated. I, I, I love chicken wings, but, 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 I, but I hate how it makes me feel and I hate what it does to my waistline. I hate that I'm buying big clothes because of it. I, I hate anger. Well, it's complicated, right? Because I... I, I'll throw a temper tantrum just like anyone else in this room, right? Like I, sometimes it's fun to just get it out there, to vent it out there, to keep it real, you know, to let people know how you feel. And in fact, if you get angry enough, you can get people to do what you want them to do. But the problem with that is after you do it, then you're all alone. And man, I hate, I hate being lonely a lot more than I, I hate being angry. So it's complicated. I hate things because now there's an outcome that's attached to those things that I love and those things that I hate. Someone say outcome. There, there's an outcome there. See, uh, I, I hate complaining. I mean, come on. Like, well, really, who of us don't like to complain sometimes, right? I mean, we all watch the news. We all have our conversations. We like, in fact, it's so funny, like I, I've, I make fun of this, but then I do it sometimes. How often is it like you'll meet a stranger and you'll be like, 
hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Well, see, if I know you, like I might be asking you, how are you doing? But like a stranger in passing, how are you doing? Like, I didn't really want to know everything about your life. And now it's like, I said, hey, how are you doing? And you're like, well, my back hurts and my neck hurts. And I think the weather's changing because my knee's been hurting and my cat got out and then uh, my dog puked on the couch and all this. Like, I didn't want to know all that, right? But, but it feels really good, right? It's like Doritos, it's like Cheetos on your tongue for just a moment. It feels good to spit all that out where you're like, just try it. The next time someone asks you how you're doing, just unload for like five minutes. Let them know everything you think. Like every political opinion you have, just vomit it on out there. I mean, that's what we're doing on Facebook anyways, right? Just let it come on out. Like, let it all out. But, but, but then recognize recognize when they see you the next time, they're probably gonna turn around and walk the other way. <laughs> Somebody say outcome. outcome. You, 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 gotta, you gotta know what to hate. So if I wanna see change in my life, if I wanna be healthy, I, I've gotta have a healthy type of hate, a healthy hate. Get healthy hate? What are you talking about, a, a healthy hate? Yeah, there is a healthy hate that the Bible talks about. Guys, I, I hate racism. I hate poverty. I, I hate gossip. I hate it when people talk about me and it hurts me. I hate it when I talk about other people and it hurts them. And you've got to hate certain things before I'll be motivated enough to change, before I'll be motivated enough to do anything about it. I hate it when people are deceived about the love of God and they think that a relationship with God is all about rules and not about a personal relationship. I, I hate that. And you've got to hate certain things before you're going to be motivated to change. I hate bullying. Man, I, I remember being bullied as a kid in middle school. I, I hate that feeling. I hate bullying. I was talking to Kayla, my youngest daughter, the other day, and she said, I hate being late. Notice she didn't say I love being early because she doesn't. <laughs> see, but if you don't hate being late more than you love hitting the snooze button, you're not going to see change in that area. So sometimes God shows us that there are healthy things that we need to hate, not people. We're talking about conditions. We're talking about things that draw us away. We gotta, so I wanna encourage you right now, get that thing in your mind. Get that bag of Cheetos in your mind. Get those chicken wings in your mind. Whatever that issue is in your mind that, that, that is keeping you held down and say, I hate it. Say it, say, I hate it. Because we gotta hate certain things. We gotta allow ourselves to start hating things. The psalmist said, I hate the double-minded. He's talking about a condition here. He says, I, I hate procrastination. I, I, I do it, I struggle with it, but I, I hate it. I hate gluttony. And, and, and it's like, you struggle with these things, but there's gotta be a point to where we, we, we're motivated by loving the things God wants us to love and hating the things he wants us to hate. It's like, I hate gluttony, but like, it's not that I love to exercise, it's that I hate looking five months pregnant. So it's like, it's complicated, right? So over the years, something's changed to where it's like now, it's like I became that person I used to gripe about where it's like where my wife is, we're just running, just running. It's like, I love working out. It's like all of a sudden, now, you know why I didn't like it, why I hated it is because it hadn't become, become a habit yet. 
But over the years, as I started exercising and eating right and seeing a little bit of change and seeing how it made me feel, it's like now all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm starting to love certain things. It's like hitting a reset button. Remember when you had a Nintendo as a kid and it's like things weren't going right, you just hit the reset button? It's like, that's what this passage is talking about. It's like resetting and I believe that God wants to reset. In fact, in Jesus' name, I declare a reset in our minds and a reset in our hearts that we would start to love the things that God loves and we would start to hate the things that God hates. Hitting the reset button, I incline, I set my heart to perform his statues. I love what he loves and I hate what he hates. We got to train ourselves to love his word and we got to train ourselves to hate the, the things of the world that, that falsely comfort us to get us to stop doing what he's called us to do. So a habit of the healthy heart, number one, you gotta know what to hate. Number two, you gotta know where to hide. Know where to hide. Do you know where to hide? You better, because we're in a war and there's an attack and missiles will fly and the enemies will send discouragement and there will be all sorts of battles that will come that will try to put you into a decline position, into a default position. So you've got to know where to hide or, I, or ask you the question, do you know where to hide or, or do you run to the very enemy that is attacking you in an effort to hide? Because that's what a lot of us end up doing, getting ourselves trapped is, we go back to the things of the world and we go back to self-pity and we go back to, to our own issues of the flesh and that's what we run to to try to hide in and we end up, end up getting ourselves in a much worse position. Guys, I'm not talking about a physical place. Um, when, when it comes to our emotional health, I'm talking about a hiding place that, that's cre that can create us we create in our heart that can destroy us actually happens within. That's why the psalmist is talking about inclining his heart. And he says this, you are my hiding place and my shield. He's saying, you're where I hide, God. You're where I hide. I mean, there's a lot of other places I could go and I could try to hide, but you're where I hide. So when attacks come, I know where to run. And that's the key is that we have got to recognize that success doesn't come from thinking I'm gonna go through life without being attacked. Success comes from recognizing you will be attacked. So you have to know where to run when you're going to be attacked. See, that's the confusion that the enemy will try to put a lie into the mind of believers' heads of thinking that once you start following Christ, everything's gonna be fine. But Jesus said, that's simply not true. That, that in this world, you will have trouble. So take heart, I've overcome the world. He's saying, in the world, there's a problem. So the answer is me. Take heart because you can come and you can hide in me. You need to know where to hide. So I'm gonna be successful and I'm gonna move forward, not because I won't be attacked, but because I know where to hide. Do you know where to hide? And we need a safe place to hide, not just a, a place that seems safe. To Elijah, he, he ran to a place that seemed safe. Jezebel was coming after him. Okay, so he runs as far away as he can. He gets up on a mountain and he gets into a cave and he thinks since I'm surrounded by the walls of this cave and I'm so far away, this feels like this is a safe place for me to go. It seemed safe to him. And the whisper of God came into the cage, uh, into the cave that Elijah was running to and started calling to him. And I wonder, I wonder, are you running from the conflict 
or are you running to the calling? Because many times the place of the conflict is the place of the calling. And here we've got Elijah and he's, he's running and he finds himself up in this place where, where he's hiding now and he feels like he's, he's going to, He's going to be safe now because I'm far away. But remember that, that, that the Bible doesn't say that God is going to protect us from a battle. That the Bible says he is a strong tower in a battle, not, not from a battle. He's a strong tower in the battle. So he asked a question to Elijah, and it's an interesting question. He says, why are you hiding here? Okay, it's, it's not why are you hiding as believers, we're gonna be under attack. We have to hide. We have to hide under the shelter of our almighty God. We have to hide into the presence of his word, into the presence of his Holy Spirit. We have to hide. He asks the question, why are you hiding here? Why are you hiding in a place where you are confined away from your calling, confined away from what I want to do in your life and how I can use you to change people? Why are you hiding in some other place than me? Because he said, Did, didn't I protect you on Mount Carmel? Did, didn't I send down fire from heaven? You can hide in plain sight if you just trust in the goodness of God. Man, you could be right in the middle of the battle and know like, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm hidden, I'm protected. Why? Because I, he's here with me. So you're gonna see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, but, but you wanna experience life in dead places, so you got to know where to hide. Where, where do you hide? I wanna I want bring it to your mind right now. Where do you hide default? When you slide back into that decline position or that recline position, where do you hide? Because every one of us, we, we know, you could bring it to our mind. I mean, for some of us, it'd be a substance, it'd be alcohol, it could be pornography. For some of us, it's, it's a little deeper than that. For some of us, it's blame. I hide and blame. Like, well, really, I'm in this place because of what they did to me. Or that never would have happened if my car wouldn't have broke down. Or, or I'd be farther along if, if, if she didn't hurt me. And, and we, we try to hide in blame, or maybe you hide in low expectations. And we try to protect our hearts, and we think that, that w the way I'm going to hide here and the way I'm going to protect my heart is, is by just not hoping for anything. And if I put my expectation low enough, then, then I, I'm not going to be hurt here. And, and we can hide in things. Maybe it's in a fake smile. Maybe we're coming in, putting a smile on our face, like everything's fine, everything's dandy, and we're hiding in this fake persona. And, and, and it's like, you can go hide in certain things that, that seem safe, just like Elijah was hiding in a cave, but what you're actually doing is confining yourself. I remember when I was a little kid, seeing commercials on TV and also seeing the signs when you'd like go into Sears, there were signs on the, the freezers that said, never climb into a freezer. And there's a sign for a kid to tell you, don't ever go play hide and seek and hide in a freezer because what you can do is you can be trying to hide and you can end up trapping yourself in something so much worse than what you were trying to hide from. And God is saying, you have got to know where to hide. And, and it's not that, you, you can't wait until you're under attack to start looking for that place. You have to have it predetermined. You predetermined. I, I know that I am going to hide in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to hide in his word. So guys, how do we do this? So we got to make this practical. This isn't just supposed to be a, a feel-good message. How, how do we do this? Well, we have got to start understanding his word. 
We have got to have an arsenal in our lives of knowing his promises and his truth. And, and we do that by reading his word. And we also do that by, by singing worship songs because you recognize a lot of the worship songs that we sing are actually scripture. It's like, so there are gonna be times when you feel alone that if you have the arsenal and you already know that God has promised you for I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, that in the middle of the night when you feel like it's dark and you're alone, you can start to remember his word and you can hide in the fact that God, your presence is with me and you've got me and though the enemy is trying to hurt me right now, I know that I'm hidden in you. And you can start singing the, the, those old songs for the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and our saved and are safe. Guys, like it's an old one, but it's a good one. In the middle of the night, it'll run the devil off when, you, when you're feeling like, like I need some place to hide. Do, do you ever do that? Do you ever feel like you just need some place to hide? I know how there are certain times I'll be driving down the road singing different songs like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Not because I can sing good, but because I need, you're saying, whoa, like, like whoa. <laughs> but because I need a place to hide. If you wanna have a healthy heart, it's like, you, you can be going along, you can look so good on the outside, but you can crash if your heart isn't healthy. So you've got to have the right habits. Number one, you got to know what to hate. Number two, you got to know where to hide. And then number three, you got to know how to hope. You got to know how to hope. Would you stand with me? Because this is how we're going to end this service. You got to know how to hope. The Bible says this, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. I, I hope in your word. See, I wasn't that great in elementary school, but I'll tell you, I did learn a couple things about uh, the English language in middle school where it's interesting. He says, he says, I hope in your word, okay? It does not say I have hope because if it says I have hope, then the word hope would be a noun. It would be a thing, okay? Uh, what it says is I hope, it, it places the word hope in the, the position of a verb. This is saying, this is an action. Uh, hope is an action, okay? Sitting around wishing for something to change is not hope. That is wishing. Hope, my brothers and sisters, hope is a lifestyle. Hope is a lifestyle of putting action to, putting my hands to, taking the action of what I'm praying for, I am going to do. What, what, what I'm believing for, I'm going to do. Faith without works is dead, okay? Uh, we, we know that God has called us to do certain things, so we pray for certain things. And, and we're, like, we're like, God, I, I hope for a good marriage. And, and you could sit around the rest of your life, and if you put hope as a form of a noun, and you just sit there wishing, you can wish that maybe someday something's gonna change. But that's not what the psalmist says to do. He says that this is an action. So if you're praying for a marriage, then you need to start starting relationships and talking to other people. If you're praying for to have relationships and friendships, then, then you might need to go sign up for a small group. If you're praying that God would start changing your life, then you need to start serving. It's like, let me ask you, are you putting your hands to that very thing that you're praying for, that very thing that you're hoping for? Because 
days can turn into weeks, into months, into decades where you're going, I'm just hoping something will happen. Well, what are you doing about it? Because if you're not doing anything about it, you're not hoping, you're wishing. He says, "My, I, I hope, I hope in the Lord. I hope in the Lord. We're about to sing a song right now because this is a declaration that we are gonna walk out of this place putting to action that we set our hope on you. Okay, we're singing the words, I set my hope on you. So understanding that this is a verb, what are we saying is we're saying tomorrow, not just Sunday, because like these worship songs, they go beyond just a Sunday morning. You can sing them on a Monday. They work on a Thursday night. Like in the middle, in the middle of the night on a Tuesday, it, it still matters what we're saying here. We're saying when I put my hope in you is I'm saying on Monday, I'm gonna connect to you. I'm gonna take action and put my hand to the fact that I want a personal relationship with you. And on Thursday, when she drives me nuts, I am going to ask you to come into this situation and dear Jesus, help me now. What my hope is, is not in wishing. My hope is in actively pursuing my heavenly father, actively pursuing my, my savior. So church, my prayer for you is that, that you would be a church, that every one of us, we have healthy hearts, that, that we love what God loves, we hate what he hates. We know how to hide in him and we know how to take the action of hope. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.